Hello, and welcome to the Measure Up Podcast, a show dedicated to helping marketers and analytics professionals know what's working, what's not, and how to measure it all. I'm your host, Jim Genolio. Listen along as I talk to people just like you who are dealing with the marketing measurement challenges in today's world and learn best practices, tips, and actionable advice. All right, welcome to the Measure Up Podcast, Mike Taylor. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Pretty happy. It's sunny today in the UK for once, so uh, so everyone's uh, in a good mood. Yeah, we, we got the the clouds here in uh, Pittsburgh. Um, it's thirty five degrees this morning and snowing, and tomorrow it's supposed to be seventy. So you know, <laughs> welcome you welcome go. to spring. <laughs> yeah, it's not global warming; it's uh, global variability. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So, so Mike, a quick intro. Um, let me see from my notes here. So. You uh, got a, a bachelor's in was it business uh, business administration? And yeah, master's yeah, in I did business. business. Uh, that was actually the only degree that let me in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't much of an academic uh, early on. I, I, I thought uh, my band was going to make it. You know, I was, I was touring with the rock. <laughs> so, no way. Uh, so yeah, so I used to be cool, um, and then then eventually uh, wise, you know, wisened up and uh, started to study economics and you know kind of get into that. then kind of leapt into marketing from there. Fantastic. So wait, what what type of band? What kind of music? Uh, yeah, I would describe us as kind of like U um, two meets the Foo Fighters. <laughs> nice, nice. I could yeah. do that. Are there yeah, some yeah. some uh, music on on Spotify? No, thank God. No. <laughs> it wasn't great. It was, it was too early for Spotify. Damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let, let me guess. I'm gonna say not drums, not bass. I'm saying you know, lead guitar. Oh no no bass uh, bass oh okay bass <laughs> yeah yeah no, but actually my most important role was band manager um, <laughs> nice motor, so uh, you know because bass isn't uh, you know uh, a real instrument that some of my friends would say right <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but you know you, you get your marketing chops early on you know promoting. exactly yeah I didn't know it back then but uh, it became useful fantastic uh, so yeah uh, bachelor's in business administration masters in economics. Uh, it's always fun listening to the stories of how people get into, uh, you know, got into kind of the the area that we're in, data analytics, marketing, digital marketing. Yeah. Um, it's funny because it's like up to this point, like everyone's journey is like esoteric and, you know, like I got my degree in, in uh, photojournalism and commercial art, which oh, wow. yeah. really helpful for <laughs> analytics. Um, but yeah, like everyone <laughs> is like of a certain age has a weird, interesting story of how they got to it. But now I feel like it's probably going to become a little bit more homogenous and maybe a little less. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Who, who knows though? Like, uh, you know, if, like, I'm, I'm sure my kids will be like prompt engineers. I don't know. The thing is, there's no, there's no real manual for this type of career. Right. Uh, like the, you know, you don't, you don't grow up in, in, in class, like dreaming of being a, a marketer or, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, it's, so exciting and terrifying to think like what will our kids be doing because the 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 pace of change with everything around gpt and llms and it's like it's hard to even imagine what's going to be there in 10 20 years so like i don't know to be terrified or excited or both but it'll be hey, that's important to, to deal with you know <laughs> we have our issues yeah definitely so yeah, so from from economics, uh, masters in economics, uh, did you start ladder right after that? No, uh, so I, um, I I went from my master's degree into into a company called Efficient Frontier, uh, which was uh, basically like a algorithmic bidding technology for Google Ads. Um, they actually got bought by Adobe, uh, so now they're they're called like the Adobe Media Optimizer. Um, uh, so, so I, you know, kind of cut my teeth, like my first real job in marketing was, was like at a startup that got bought by Adobe, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah. I think I made like $8,000 in, in, uh, in, in stock options <laughs> at the time, which was huge. You know, that was like, you know, that paid off my overdraft and, and, uh, you know, it gave me some savings for once. Uh, so, so yeah, that was a big move. And then, and then kind of, you know, jump from startup to startup after that. Uh, and then, uh, and then started ladder after I left, uh, shop style. Okay, yeah. So, ladder uh, growth marketing agency, growth hacking agency. Back yeah, when Tim was back when that was really cool. cool. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, grew it to like fifty plus people. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still going, actually. Uh, I think uh, I was just talking to John, my my co-founder. Uh, he, he still runs it as the CEO. So uh, they're, I think, past 60 people now, which is pretty cool. Nice. That's a great size, too. Like, for me, like, I love the, like, 50 people, maybe 50 or less, like, somewhere between, like, 30 and 50 people companies. It's, you get yeah great, you know, people working together. Like, everyone's really, like, you know, you, you don't get lost in the sea of, like, thousands of colleagues and, like, people sliding under the radar and oh yeah uh, so so for me i'm allergic to even 50 you know like <laughs> I, I uh I, my my happy days were when we were like 14 people or, or even like yeah. six or seven people and we we're just like all hacking away in a room together you know absolutely yeah i mean i'm i'm very similar like i started uh my journey down this path with a company called lunametrics when okay. yeah, I, yeah. I was i was number five um and then kind of left and came back and have been there ever since. And now, you know, Lunametrics was acquired and a bunch of other companies were acquired and now it's bounteous and it's like, you know, 17 or 1800 people. And it's <laughs> definitely a different feel, different vibe, but still yep. good. But uh, yeah, I, I love the the small company feel, but, but uh, not about me. This is, this is more about, uh, about you. Uh, so yeah, ladder super successful. Feels like that was a, like a really good fertile training ground for, a lot of the stuff that you've been doing since, you know, experimentation and hermeneutics and uh, the playbooks and and all of that kind of stuff that came out of that and has really kind yeah, of fueled I mean, you. From you just can't like work, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week uh, for, for six years and not like learn a bunch, right? Um, yeah. uh, like we, you know, we worked with 200 different startups um, over that time. Uh, also some big companies as well. So they work, work with um uh, with booking.com. Um, we, I, we actually worked, I, I ran some Facebook ads for Facebook <laughs> when they were launching the workplace products. That was pretty fun. So yeah, we got, we got to do a whole bunch of random, random things that I never otherwise would have been able to, you know, if I had, you know, gone into one of these companies as an employee, but as an agency the I think the barriers are lower and, and, uh, they're much more willing to work with anyone who can solve a problem for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the fun times, right? When you can, you know, you're the expert and they listen to you and you don't have to go through 10 layers of red tape and, uh, yeah, can kind of, oh, there's still red tape, of course, but, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at least you get paid for uh, navigating it. Exactly. Yeah. So from ladder, uh, is saxifrage the next thing? Yeah. So that's, um, it's actually kind of like a silly name that I made up. Uh, it's not really like a company necessarily. It's just me. Right. So it's my right, consultant, right. a single person LLC. Uh, so the name actually comes from, it's like really geeky. Uh, it comes from uh, Kim Stanley Robinson book, um, uh, the Mars trilogy. Uh, and and uh, Saxifrage is uh, the name of this mad scientist uh, on Mars, uh, one of the first hundred colonizers. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's where I got the name from because I just had to choose a name. And then I, I didn't really think it would be like a, you know, like a front facing <laughs> name, but I kind of, it grew on me over time and, I needed, you know, I needed some sort of, you know, domain name for my consulting website. So here we are. Awesome. Yeah. And it was available. So there it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. And uh, so the, so that's kind of the consulting side of it. Uh, still doing some consulting. Uh, and then the, the things that are probably more interesting and exciting for you would be Vex Power and uh, of course the memetics, marketing memetics. Marketing memetics. <laughs> yeah, so no, I need power. to think about that title. Actually, it's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so uh, uh, when I left Ladder, I kind of you know I started consulting uh, because um, you know obviously I had a bunch of knowledge, like so wanted to use it for something, um, and uh, wanted to you know pay the mortgage while I <laughs> figured out what I wanted to do. And uh, and and um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm kind of lucky to have just a handful now of of like really easy to work with and also like intellectually stimulating uh, clients uh, because, you know, it's just me. I don't have to support a whole, uh, you know, payroll. <laughs> and, right. So I can kind of pick and choose, which is nice. Uh, but yeah, then uh, that's kind of brought me the time to work on two other big projects. Like one is VexPower, which is the um, online learning platform. I work with uh, one other guy in that, a guy called James Phoenix. He's a better developer than me. And um uh, and and we basically just teach data-driven marketing. So things like marketing mix modeling, that was our first course. Um, and then kind of branched out from there. And now we're doing a bunch of AI prompt engineering courses, you know, things like that. Um, and then the other big uh, monkey I wanted to get off my back was uh, uh, was this book um, uh, called Marketing Memetics. And it's 
really the field guide, kind of like the um, you know the, the instruction booklet that I wish existed when I was running the agency, uh, because we were you know always in this situation where we were all very data driven people, um, but then we found that uh, it was actually like creative that uh, that drives uh, most success, right? Um, so creative testing, like coming up with good creative ideas. Uh, so we, we, you know, we we were kind of floundering for a long time trying to figure this out because you know we were uncomfortable in those like branding conversations. Uh, so this book is really kind of like uh, that framework that I developed during the agency, where I just like you know hand it to someone who's data driven and say like this is how you do brand, right? Like this is how you do creative. So you come up with good creative ideas. It's not. Um, it doesn't have to be you know a big scary fluffy, uh, you know, black box, uh, like it's actually, you know, something that's pretty, can be pretty rigorous if you, if you just kind of know the right things. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I want to come back to like exploring memetics as a whole and like kind of explaining that. But one thing that you mentioned was sort of the power of creative and creative testing. Um, mm. and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this is, do you think, what, what's the breakdown between marketers and marketing analysts who are running tests on their marketing from a, you know, like a holdout test or geolift experiments versus mm-hmm. doing actual creative testing? Yeah, good question. So um, I would say uh, prior to iOS 14, uh, most marketers, at least most of the ones I knew, were like focused on optimizations, right? So th- they would do some, they would put some creative out there, they would test it every now and again. Um, you know, but but a lot of what they were doing was like moving budget around or kind of like, you know, changing their Google bids, right? That was actually what the technology did that I worked at in the, the first company, Efficient Frontier. Um, you know, and um and over time what's happened is a lot of that stuff has been automated, right? Um uh, or it's gotten like so complex <laughs> that <laughs> that you have to kind of be an expert in it, right? So um I think the whole industry is kind of bifurcated. Uh, either you go full on creative and the way that you move the needle is just, you know, find the next kind of creative win, um, or you go the other direction um, and uh, get really good at measurement and data uh, so you can do more advanced stuff. So not just like, you know, doing a pivot table in Excel, but like actually like building a marketing mix model um, or uh, you know, doing a geolift experiment. Um, and most people don't do both of those things. I'm a little bit weird in that I did <laughs> because... Uh, you know, those were like the two my two passions from leaving ladder, like like creative testing on the extreme end, and then you know on the other end, um, this like you know getting really good at measurement. I, I kind of call it like a barbell strategy, right? Like nothing in the middle, like everything on either extreme end. <laughs> nice, I love that the analogy. Um, I, I, yeah, I've I've always been on the right side of the barbell with the the measurement and data, mm. um, and you know recently, you know over the last few months, maybe a year. I started to think a little bit more on the creative side, right? And it's yeah, you know, a, a few people have have kind of brought this to attention through you know newsletters or LinkedIn or Twitter. Like uh, Avnish Kaushik is one who talks about like the power of creative. It's like that's actually sixty yeah. percent of what drives the the performance. Yeah, just you know, it kind of occurred to me. It's like we're spending you know me personally and a lot of other people like me spend so much time you know doing the optimizations, you know budget maximizations and and everything else and bid strategies and all that kind of stuff you know building marketing mix models where like you you get more juice for the squeeze on the creative side potentially yeah right and yeah it's, yeah. it's just yeah, interesting yeah. like I, I always say like either you can measure what performed uh, or you can make it perform better you know <laughs> right. right um and and creative is how you make it perform better um uh, so like I, I mean I think I was kind of fortuitous in that I came into marketing from economics right so uh, for me like i was going from like i you know i couldn't get into finance right i graduated during the 2008 recession right oh no lucky lucky me right 2009 um you know so i i you know applied for over 100 jobs didn't get anything um you know i even i you know a lot of my friends worked in the government at the time as economists and and i i, I couldn't even get in there because uh you know the bar was a little bit lower than finance but but because all the finance people couldn't get jobs. They all went into so like you had like the top one percent of all the graduates that year all like applied for the government. Right? <laughs> uh, so so like I was definitely not in the, anywhere near the top one percent in my class, <laughs> uh, and my class itself wasn't wasn't in the top ten percent. You know, so um yeah so uh so so I kind of came into marketing uh, and kind of saw it as like 
low-hanging fruit, right? Um, uh, if you're mathematical, you tend to work on things that are easy to measure uh, because that's where you feel like you'll have the most impact and it kind of feels, um, I guess, you know, immediately useful, right? Uh, if you can, you know, if you can do math, then you can work in finance, right? Pretty, and then you can make a lot of money. But I think like where actually most of the value is added is to take someone who's good at data and then drop them into uh, like basically an area where nobody uses data. <laughs> um, and, and marketing is 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 that, right? Like, uh, I mean, it's become more and more fashionable, I think, to, to use data in marketing, uh, but still like, you know, if you're a data-driven marketer, you're still like a pretty rare breed. Um, like the vast, vast majority who, who work in marketing, um, you know, work in marketing because they want to make a nice looking TV ad, right? Or because they're an artist and and like advertising is like one of the few ways to fund, like if one of the few types of organization that will like pay you to do art, right? Um, uh, so, uh, so so like that's still like, uh, if you if you take like 100 decisions in marketing, I'd say probably like 99.999, uh, percent of them uh, are, are opinion driven, right? They're not data driven. So um, if you can even be like ten percent better, you don't actually have to be very good at math uh, to uh, to make a big impact. Um, and and to you know, I guess like kind of get those choice jobs amongst like other people who like you know have never opened Excel, you know things like that. So so for me, I kind of came into marketing with that, um, you know, that kind of wind in my sails. Um, and then, um, and then, you know, I've kind of benefited from even, even despite not being like a, like a very, I, I wasn't ever very good at economics. Right. But like, I was good enough to, I was like better than the other people in marketing. <laughs> you know, right, so yeah. It's kind of nice. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of have continued that. Right. So like, you know, I've gone, you know, at first I was like afraid of creative because it's so like difficult, like it's very hard to use data. It's very hard to, you know, test and very hard to really understand like such a dynamic system and, you know, why people buy things, why they don't. Um, uh, so, so for me, that was just kind of a continuation. It's like the next big challenge. Like if I can get even kind of applied data to creative, uh, then, um, you know, there's a huge upside uh, that like almost nobody else who works in data is even attempting. Yeah. And so what would be like your top one or two ways that you would uh, apply data to creative? Would it be on the testing side or the generation side like are you using data to to create the ideas and then using you know testing to to test out the creatives yeah good question so um i would say like the biggest most impactful thing um that i've kind of like given a name uh, as as part of writing uh, the book is I, I call it meme mapping uh but um actually like it, everywhere i look i see people doing this like a lot of people are really good at their craft they obviously don't call it meme mapping like i do but um, but you know, I've just kind of tried to brand it. <laughs> um, but um, a really good example is um, James Clear. Like he um, he he wrote um, Atomic Habits. Uh, if you if you know that book, so yeah, New York right. Times bestseller. Like really useful book. Um, but uh, there's actually like there are actually quite a few other books that are similar to his that um, you know quote the same research uh, on habit formation. Right, that didn't do anywhere near as 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 good a job of uh, marketing themselves. And um, one of the things that he did, which is pretty interesting, was like what I call meme mapping. He basically compiled a list of uh, the hundred best-selling business books uh, that sold like more than a million dollars worth of copies. Um, and then, uh, and then he looked at the titles and kind of um, you know, f found the patterns in the titles. So, like, what are the kind of repetitive kind of things um, you know that that, that people uh, tend to tend to use in the titles? So, like, what are the um, and one of the one of the patterns that he found um, was this idea of like taking the topic of the book um, and then and then using word that's not normally paired with the topic. Um, so he kind of found that in the data. There's not like a rigorous analysis, right? But uh, but like you know the alternative is using no data, right? I think just using your gut. But like by kind of looking at a hundred examples of success, uh, he was able to kind of build a you know, more informed opinion. So his, you know, his title became Atomic Habits, right? Uh, habits are not normally described as atomic, right? So um, I think like, you know, that's part of uh, how he was successful with that title. Um, and he did that actually in, in a couple of other ways um, as well. Like, uh, you know, he, he actually looked at like the table of contents and like how, how, you know, how many chapters are they normally, you know, uh, in successful books, like kind of copying those um, repetitive patterns um, is, is like, I think like a really easy win. Um, and, and especially when you're doing something that important, like, you know, it takes a long time to write a book. 
And uh, most people just go with their gut when they, <laughs> you know, when they when they come up with the title. Like I actually I did hilariously, which is why I'm, um, you know, like uh, we we talked about marketing memetics doesn't really roll off the tongue, um, but uh, that was actually just intended to be, um, you know, just a placeholder, uh, you know, initially. But um, uh, now I'm getting close to launch. I'm actually going to kind of do this meme mapping process um, and then start testing different titles uh, because uh, you know I, I'd I kind of look like a fool if I didn't, right? Right. Well, I mean, it has the alliteration. I'm sure that's probably one of the signals of of good health and yeah, alliteration. Yeah. I think that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the book marketing memetic marketing memetics or TBD, <laughs> whatever the yeah, title yeah, yeah, will yeah. be. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. I, I've been following your journey. You've been sort of writing in public, and it's been great to see like your your. Um, you're always, I feel like you're, you're doing so much and I'm always seeing you posting on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and like, it's like every day there's a new chapter and a new, a new essay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I've been kind of following along, but admittedly, like I haven't, I, I haven't gotten it. Like, and maybe it's my, my brain is stuck in sort of the, 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 the meme culture of the internet. And I think of memes yep. and I think of, you know, what most people think of memes and so sure. I, I finally, I think I finally had sort of a breakthrough with understanding kind of where you're coming from with memetics, um, mm. as I was listening to some, some of your previous, uh, podcasts and it's, it's tell me if I'm, I'm thinking about this, right. It's, it's basically just looking at patterns and, and how things, um, you know, how things are working, right. And, and try to exactly. understand the patterns yeah, yeah. of things and apply them to, to your own work. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think the name puts people, people off, but, um, actually the word meme, um, predates the internet like uh it doesn't mean uh you know internet memes um uh, although uh, although they are like a good example of memes um uh so uh it was like richard dawkins um uh, who coined the term in the selfish gene uh, which is a great book um like yeah it turned me on to like a lot of interesting ideas but but like one of the ideas he came up with in the book was that like it's not just you know dna that replicates right like it's not just our genes that that evolve uh, evolution also happens with our ideas. Um, so um, every kind of piece of cultural information that we have that means something to us uh, gets copied down you know, over time. It mutates um, either you know, like genes do randomly, um, and sometimes those happy accidents become really big, um, uh, or, um, you know, or, or you can actually kind of purposefully alter them with human creativity. Right? So uh, the, the example I always use to kind of help people get conceptually what, what memes are is like, if you go into a coffee shop, right, um, you, you know whether it's like Starbucks or whether it's a hipster coffee shop, uh, just purely based on like the visual components of what's in that store, right? So, you know, if there's like, you know, coffee, um, like if they have those like Hessian sacks so that coffee beans come in, uh, if you have like those on the wall, right, or if you have like uh, the hanging Edison light bulbs um, or like uh, reclaimed wood furniture, <laughs> you know, you know, it's probably like a hipster coffee shop, right? And you know what to expect from that coffee shop based on those memes. Like, you know, Starbucks, it's invested a lot in its logo. The logo is one of the memes, right? That that helps you identify Starbucks. But they also are very purposeful about the type of furniture they buy. You know, how things are painted, right? Like um, where where things are situated. So, um, all of those things are mental shortcuts um, that. You know, over time, we built up these associations to kind of understand. We can kind of reason about whether we want to go to Starbucks or whether we want like a hipster coffee um, uh, using using those memes, um, and and they uh, tend to converge over time on the most useful patterns uh, because you know you can actually go to like you know I like I'm in England. I can go to I can go to a coffee shop that's around the corner that looks just like I'm in New York uh, because they've copied <laughs> the memes. You know of the successful hipster coffee places in in Brooklyn, right? Um, those have gone global. You can go to Bangkok and find the same thing, um, and and it's because uh, you know they found that like those sorts of memes attract a certain type of customer that they want, um, and and it kind of sets that sort of vibe. So they don't think about it in terms of memetics, like just like James Clear wouldn't use the word memetics necessarily, um, but like that's the what they're really doing is they're kind of choosing what to copy uh, in order to um, you know, convey a certain uh, kind of sense or vibe, um, you know, of of information. Right. Yeah. It's, it's it's branding. Right. It's branding is memetics. It's it's yeah. What exactly, do I want yeah. the customers to feel? Who's my target audience? Who am I trying to attract? And and what will they like? And 
you know, yeah, keeping that consistency. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's not just like it's not just for marketing, right? Like, um, you know, there's, um, you, you know, like I, couples, um, you know, make up their own memes, right? Like me and my wife have like certain words that, like, I don't know, like we repeat that we hear like my my daughter say, right? Like, and she'll say something funny, and we'll keep repeating it, right? And they'll become like, you know, and then we'll sit, like WhatsApp each other, uh, you know, these memes, right? Like, uh, humans are master replicators. Like the way we became successful as a species is because we're so good at copying uh, from each other, imitating each other. Um, uh, so it means that like the very best ideas that we have disseminate and kind of persist over time. Um, and we abandon, because there's only so much space in your head, we abandon all the things that, that didn't work, right? So this is like a constant evolution. There's other things wider than marketing, but um, as a marketer, like being being in the business of, you know, trying to convince someone to do something um, means that like it's actually very very useful to have this more scientific framework. It is kind of more data driven framework, like something you can actually do, uh, like research you can actually do to 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 help guide like you know what what is the next ad that we're going to come up with? Are we going to put like you know um, you know what what how are we going to decorate our coffee shop? Like you know how are we going to um, you know like what should we have on our landing page that that conveys that we are, we're trustworthy? You know all of these things are useful. Yeah. Uh- one one question that kind of comes to mind as you know if if humans are just replicating and remixing and and um kind of following patterns that have come before uh do you think there are any original ideas out there or is everything just <laughs> yeah. a remix yeah do you know what like that it's it's a really interesting it's a really interesting question because uh i used to think that like some things were copied but like most things are original and I think most people think that most things are original uh, because we don't really think about it. And there's actually like a societal taboo against copying, right? Like we have copyright infringement, you know, for a reason, uh, but but also like in school we're taught that we're not supposed to copy each other's answers, right? Um, and, and actually if you copy someone's uh, fashion choices exactly, uh, they would be like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you dressing? <laughs> like we have some aversion culturally <clears throat> to copying, uh, but ironically, like, almost nothing we do is original. And I, I've been extremely red-pilled on that concept since reading the book because you start to see these recurring patterns everywhere and you know, kind of read from people who have studied them or kind of identified them. And it's it's like unbelievably crazy. Like all the different things that you think are original uh, or like, you know, you think like people who are innovative, uh, they're actually just copying from a source that you don't know, <laughs> right? So like, I'll give you a couple of my favorite prairie examples. So, um, so Iron Man um, uh, in Batman, right? Like you think um, there are kind of some similarities, right? Like, uh, you know, like we're both billionaires, they're both vigilantes, they're both orphans, right? Um, and, and that kind of trope of like a billionaire vigilante orphan is, it dates way back actually, um, uh, you know, but, but like uh, one thing I found out is that, um, you know, uh, Marvel Comics uh, literally like invented Iron Man as the West Coast Batman <laughs> uh, because uh, because they uh, had seen the success of Batman for DC Comics and said, you know, we need we need our own version of Batman. Um, so like just slightly you know, like, less dark and brooding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's California Batman, right? Um, yeah. So like that that that's a crazy one. Um, another one was like the iPhone, right? So. Uh, prior to the iPhone coming into existence, there's a company called General Magic uh, in Silicon Valley. Now, they ultimately failed, uh, but like if you look up the patents, like if you if you search for like General Magic smartphone, um, you'll see it's basically an iPhone. And you know, guess who was an intern at General Magic? Um, Tony Fidel, who was one of the eight people on the iPhone project at Apple. Right. Uh, so so like you know, it's not original. Right? Like it, right. I mean, Steve Jobs did an incredible job of like. You know, bringing it into into the world and kind of making it successful, uh, but the ideas themselves are are, are pretty uh, widely copied. Um, so yeah. then, and you see that everywhere once you're looking for it. Yeah. So maybe originality is overrated. It's more about how can you do something in a way that's not directly copying, kind of put your own twist on it, like you know, West Coast Batman. Um, exactly. But, yeah. Because there's a lot of cool stuff about Iron Man, but again, it's not like. You know the the cool stuff about Iron Man also is not original; it's just copied from other sources. It's the kind of combination that's original, um, yeah. and, and I think that uh, if you know one of the motivations for writing this book was to really just kind of show everyone how unoriginal everything is. 
that we kind of get past that, uh, then you can actually freeze you up to be more creative because you realize that all the people you think of as being uh, creative geniuses are really just like flagrant copyright abusers, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and they're, but they're just like willing to copy from more interesting sources and combine them in different ways. And they, they have found a combination that works. Um, and I think what that's a really big mental unlock. Like once you, once you see that, then you're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, I don't actually have to start from a blank page. I can, you know, kind of copy something that I like, uh, and then just kind of make it my own and, and copy it well in, in, in a way that's like, you know, uh, an homage to the original, but, uh, but, you know, still I kind of, you know, accomplishes something different. Hey, it's Jim here with Quick Aside. If you're listening to this episode and enjoying it, I've got to tell you about the Mix It Up newsletter from MMM Hub. It's a free newsletter that provides resources on how to effectively measure your marketing. It includes helpful tutorials, cutting edge tools, and relevant articles so readers can make smarter decisions with their marketing dollars. You can sign up today at mmmhub.org. Now back to the show. All right. All right. So maybe kind of segueing into a uh, slightly related topic, right? We're, we're yeah. talking kind of about memetics in general and, and copying what works. Um, yep. On the marketing side, because we're, you know. Yeah, so more on the attribution side, like the measurement side. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as we're putting out these new ads and creatives and, you know, trying to measure what's working, what it's not, you know, a lot of disruption in the past few years with uh, privacy regulations, GDPR, CCPA, I think every every week is a new state launching uh, a new regulation yeah. um, with Apple kind of throwing their wrenches into the works with ITP and ATT and all of the other fun <laughs> acronyms. What do you tell marketers? Like, what would you advise marketers um, who are saying, okay, like they're throwing their hands up in the air and like they, you know, we've been doing this user level tracking for the past 10 years. Now, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, good question. So, yeah, this is the the other big passion of mine over the past year or so. Um, and um, I, I kind of got into this because uh, I was, when I left Ladder, like the very first idea I worked on was um, actually like a, uh, track a virality tracking uh, tool. So, so think Google Analytics, but for um, you know social sharing, right? Um, and uh, and I realized that uh, it was not going to work. Um, it was like the single worst time in history for creating such a tool uh, because like Apple had uh, you know started limiting cookies on IT uh, using ITP like in Safari. So there's like this really big hole. That Apple had punched through my idea, right? <laughs> um, and I and 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 so that kind of made me really interested in in like, huh, okay, so like if this continues, and like you know there were already talks uh, at the time about Google deprecating cookies one day, and you know, and and like uh, iOS fourteen hadn't happened yet, but it was kind of inevitable that something would happen. Um, so uh, I started to look at like how did people measure before we had the internet, right? Because uh, we did, we still spent one percent of our GDP on on advertising. Uh, that actually hasn't really changed in the past, you know, hundred years. <laughs> uh, it's always always one percent of GDP. So like we had to measure it somehow, right? Like it's not, you know, we're not running charities, right? Like <laughs> um, uh, so uh, so I looked into it, and there were two two main methods, or I guess three methods. Uh, so one was uh, surveys, right? Like that started in I think the eighteen hundreds or earlier in London society. Like you know they started polling people to find like you know what brands they knew about, you know things like that. Um, uh, so, and that still continues today, obviously. Um, and there are, you know, p- positives and negatives with those methods. Um, uh, there was, um, actual kind of uh, randomized control trials. So, you know, turn off, um, advertising in certain locations and then see the difference between the locations that had advertising and those that didn't. Um, and then there was marketing mixed modeling. So yeah, uh, it used to be called econometrics. Um, uh, but I think MMM is now like the preferred term. Um, uh, but, but yeah, the, um, you know, this building a statistical model of all the different things you did in marketing, uh, in an attempt to kind of figure out, um, you know, what, like what, what were the spikes and dips caused by it? Um, so I kind of looked into those, uh, methods, realized that, um, we're going to have to like learn how to do them. Uh, I realized actually that all of the really big brands were doing them. Um, and it was just us, you know, startups and small businesses that, you know, didn't have the time or the money to do them. But, um, but like what we've seen over the past, uh, couple of years since iOS 14, I think it's been like a real concerted effort by the industry to, uh, 
dig up and unearth those old techniques and and make them more modern, right? And like uh, you know, uh, use modern data science techniques so that you know you can have like a data pipeline that automatically builds the model every every week or every two weeks, uh, you know, things like that. So um, I think uh, you know, there's a lot of like really interesting work going on. And marketers are kind of stitching these methods together, um, so uh, that we're kind of actually ended up in a better place than we were before. Um, which you know, sounds hard to believe, but um, you know, measurement wasn't actually better uh, before iOS 14. It, it was just like easier, right? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we, we were still dealing with a lot of problems. Like last click attribution was still you know, <laughs> a real mess, right? Like you know, it, it was definitely over attributing some channels and not others. Um, and and uh, the the good thing about these other methods is they're independent of the channel, um, and uh, and they can give you more of a you know closer vision of like what true incrementality is. Like if if we turn off ads, how much money would you lose tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I feel like marketers over the past decade have sort of been lulled into this false comfort of, you know, thinking that they're tracking everything and they, they you know, they have all of the data about all of the users and it, it's, we just look at the dashboards and tell us how our marketing is performing and that's truth. And of course, that's never been the case. It's just sort yeah. of been this kind of, everyone kind of drank the Kool-Aid and said, okay, yeah, the, you know, Google Analytics is telling us this. Oh, and they gave us this fancy uh, multi-channel funnels and we can change the models to <laughs> so linear or time decay, which of course now we can't because they took it away, which- Yeah, they just I took it away, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Google Analytics is free, right? Like, uh, yeah. it's, it's you know, it, it, it um, has always prioritized um, last click channels, right? Like uh, like Google ads, for example, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, just in general, like if if you believe what's happening in Google Analytics, uh, then you're going to pump more money into Google Ads. Um, so that's good for Google. And it's not like some vast conspiracy, right? Like this is pretty, you know, objectively the mission statement, right? Um, exactly. Uh, but then that's fine, right? Because other companies do the same thing. Um, and and I think that ultimately the the lesson or the takeaway, at least over the past couple of years, for most of the marketers I talk to, is just like you just can't trust a platform to grade their own homework. Right. Exactly. Um, you, you really need like it's it's actually on you. If they trick you into spending more money with them, um, and it's not incremental, that's on you, right? Like you, your job is to be independent from that platform and kind of understand their incentives and and um and you know they they're actually pretty honest, right? Like in general, more honest than they need to be. Uh, they could probably get away with a lot worse, um, you know. But uh, but that you know that means that you really need to have your own kind of independent methods for verifying uh, what what you're seeing in those reports. Yeah, and and starting to become comfortable with uncertainty, right? I, you know, yes, with everyone, yeah. especially digital marketers, I feel kind of maybe fall into this trap, myself included, is that we've kind of we've thought we were certain about things for so long, and, and now we have to realize that it, there was never certainty, and we have to be okay yeah. with that, <laughs> and understand that uncertainty is okay. We can reduce that uncertainty, you know, at a cost, um, yeah. and we just have to find out, okay, what are the things that I'm most uncertain about that would be the most valuable to to reduce that uncertainty and it's it gets back to randomized controlled trials and and you know uh marketing mix modeling where it's it's a it's it's a correlation it's not telling you this is exactly what caused this but it's again it's kind of giving you better guidance than your gut hopefully (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like um actually so i do do a bunch of work with uh recast the the marketing mix modeling tool um that you're also familiar with um uh but uh, they, um, you know, Mike Kaminsky there, he always says, uh, it's better to be uncertain and right than certain and wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that. Oh, I'm going to steal that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I say it to everyone. Uh, but no, I mean, like, I think it, it is really about, basically, I, like, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, less pithy, but I just say, like, essentially, you just have to try and be less stupid, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, uh, you, you know, there are some things that you can do that are really stupid. And there's some things you can do that are only kind of marginally stupid. And there's some things that you can do that, you know, nobody knows whether they're stupid or not yet. Um, and I would say, like, even even just avoiding the really stupid things uh, puts you in the top 90% of marketers. Right, right. And then and having the humil- humility to admit that, like, listen, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm going to try and make smart decisions, but I'm probably going to be wrong. And let's test some things out and find out. Yeah, exactly, and 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 unfortunately, I think that um, in marketing, there just there's a shortage of like executives who understand marketing, and and like uh, a lot of the executives I talk to have these kind of myths that um, are circulating in their heads, right? So they'll they'll uh, think, for example, that you can just like double 
your marketing budget and get double the sales, right? Which which never works. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, you you're lucky to get like uh, a half the incremental sales that that you know if you double your budget, um, uh, just because uh, you're already kind of tapping all the low hanging fruit. Um, you're already optimizing to like the cheapest people to buy. So uh, if you have to double your budget, you have to buy more expensive uh, media, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so, so like, there's there's myths like that that I, I think are really harmful um, uh, to the marketing profession in general. I think it's one of the reasons why um, the marketing uh, role, like the CMO role, is the shortest tenure in the CC. Um, and I think, but I think it's also our fault, right? Like, um, I think mo- a lot of marketers aren't very comfortable with uncertainty. They're not even comfortable like measuring uncertainty in the first place, right? Um, or, or like uh, using data and and. Um, you know, a lot of the marketers I talk to, um, especially the traditional ones, um, have certain things that they they just like take as grant uh, take for granted, and they just say like, no, it, it, we can't do that because it will hurt the brand. And you're like, okay, <laughs> but like, how much will it hurt the brand? Is it going to be like, you know, ten percent, one percent, ninety percent? Because because uh, depending on how much it's going to hurt the brand, it might actually still be worth doing, right? If it's going to make like, you know, I'll take a one percent hit to the brand. Uh, for like a hundred percent increase in revenue, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, in yeah. some cases, right? So, so um, I, th- I think it's about getting people to quantify and everybody be comfortable with quantifying uh, the risks versus the rewards. Exactly. Yes. There, there's a cost. Like I like going back to what I said earlier. There's a cost to reducing uncertainty, and it's funny companies will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on analytics tools and platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, ostensibly, you're thinking they want to gain better understanding of what's happening, and they they value that knowledge. But then, when you propose to them a, a simple test where maybe you, you know, you turn off uh, a certain portion of ads to understand mm-hmm. knowledge to get to get answers, um, you know, there's like, well, oh no, we might lose sales. I'm just like, okay, that's sure, that's a risk, and there would be a cost associated with that. Um, yeah. But you're also paying hundreds of thousands of dollars over here. What's the difference if you're paying money to yeah, for a tool exactly. or yeah, potentially you're still getting on incremental and you've saved that money or it is incremental, yeah. in which case now you can increase your budget, right? Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons <laughs> I, I liked to work with startups with my agency, even though like purely rationally, it was a terrible idea <laughs> because startups <laughs> they don't have that much, that much money and when they, and, and they, they need everything yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, they demand a lot more than enterprise clients do. Um, I, I still loved working with them because they were much bolder in terms of experimentation. Um, I, like Paul Graham, uh, the founder of YC, uh, has this great quote where he's like, a startup is uh, a business in search of a, oh no, a company in search of a business model. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I always like kind of like that. I always, I always like that vision or that kind of concept because I, I feel like, um, that search never stops, right? Like, you know, you, like your what you have as your brand is is like what's working right now. Like what you know what you have as your business model is what's working right now. And if you look at the companies that have really endured over time, they're doing very very different things now to what they did originally. Um, you know, so I, I I I really like that analogy because if you kind of position company building as a search problem, uh, then you should always be testing, right? You should always be. Um, you know, analyzing because even if you found something works for the past fifty years, it might be this might be the year that it stops working, right? Um, uh, with because AI has made it easier. Isn't it? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, I like wish we could go down that rabbit hole, but you know, <laughs> yeah, we don't have another like two days to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> yeah, Actually, exactly. I spent a whole day last week just reading about AI because I had like hundreds of emails I'd emailed myself of like things to read, uh, yeah. and I'm like, oh man, like I'm pretty sure in you know, in six months, I'm going to be spending two days a week just reading and, you know, and then there'll be four days a week, six months after that. Oh, no kidding, man. The, I'm going to have to train the AI to do the reading for me, I think. Yeah, and, and it will. And it will. <laughs> and then it'll come up with tasks that it will be able to complete, like auto GPT. I'm sure you've, you've seen. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. that's just amazing. <laughs> it's another one of my, of my list of, like, things that I really, really am desperate to try out, but, like, haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're too busy doing crazy podcasts like this, and and we thank you for. Uh, that. No, no, I, no, I mean that's the other thing that you learn in marketing that I think, um, you know, one of the big myths that perpetuates with executives is, um, is that like build it and they will come, you know, uh, yeah. and and I, I like I'm a big believer that actually like perception is at least fifty percent of reality, right? Um, I, if nobody hears about what you're doing, uh, then they're not gonna find you, right? Um, no. <laughs> you kind of have to go out there and, and talk. I also found uh, like things like this 
actually helped me build a better product. If you kind of think about my book, like a product, I actually, after a couple of the podcast interviews I've done, I've actually like gone back and rewritten parts of my book. Cause I'm like, no, I actually like to like the way I explained it on the podcast better than I, the way I read it before. Uh, Cause I, I feel like, you know, we are social animals, right? Like we're, you know, we're, we're much better at um, coming up with interesting ideas uh, when you're like face to face with someone or even online. Uh, then you are like just staring at uh, Microsoft Word or whatever. So, um, so, so I, I think it's you know it's I think it's a myth that like you can build a, a pro- if you make your product good enough that like you know it will market itself. Uh, but I also think it's uh, you know the other myth is that like uh, the way you do marketing would change the product, right? Like the way you do the marketing actually really changes the product, um, and 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 you can adapt and kind of make the product more responsive to what people actually want. Definitely. Uh, well, we're getting close to the to the end here, uh, so I'm yep. going to ask, uh, actually, really quickly before the last question, the next to last question. Um, okay. It, it's are there any other really fun projects that you're working on now, or or blog posts, or any kind of uh, things that you have in the works that you're excited about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so right now I'm working on this big database, uh, which which we talked about just before we we hopped on. Um, uh, so uh, I'm doing this for Recast um, as part of my work for them, but uh, we thought it would be a good idea to basically document uh, all of the different case studies online of like how brands are measuring marketing. So you know all of the people talking about MMM, like how they do, how they do MMM, what what type of MMM they use, like is it Bayesian or whatever. Um, we're, we're also digging through all the kind of conversion lift studies. Um, so there's a bunch of them out there of like people talking about geo tests and how they do them and like what's good, what's bad. Um, and then there's also, um, uh, you know, there's there's also uh, the multi-touch attribution side. So like, what are people doing? Do they build custom models? Are they using amplitude? Whatever. Um, so we're trying to build this big database and then kind of write up the patterns that we've seen. Uh, so like that's that's been taking up a lot of time um, because it's manual work <laughs> to do that. But um, once it's done, I feel like it's going to be a pretty good repository for um you know knowledge like uh, i i actually had no idea even doing it like how many of these companies are using all three connected together um uh, which is something that like i've always told people to do but i had no idea there were so many examples of people doing it so um they they kind of of call like triangulation right like you triangulate the truth based on those three different methods um so I, i feel like that's like kind of the big trend that i'm seeing emerging yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to that coming out. Um and it might be out by the time this episode airs. Uh we'll we'll have to wait and see. Is it is it yeah, soon to be released? Yeah, I mean it's, it might be in the next couple of months because we 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 were okay. going to re- release ourselves, but uh there's an opportunity to do it as a guest post in a, a big publication. So, um uh yeah, well, uh, so we'll see. <laughs> um awesome. you know, it's not not fully confirmed yet, but um uh but yeah, if if that's the case then it'll be in the next couple of months. All right. Well, we'll wait for that and and eagerly uh, promote that as soon as that comes out. I'm sure that's going to be a, a fantastic resource because case studies in, in these areas are kind of hard to come by case studies that are actually informative. <laughs> you know, it's usually yes. uh, plenty yeah. of the, the marketing fluff on agency websites. We helped company increase the revenue by 27% with MMM. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. How did you measure that? I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> actually, like if you take them in... Um, if like this is another kind of I guess plug for meme mapping, right? But uh, but but like you know if you read like one or two of these case studies, you don't learn that much. But if you see an aggregate like hundreds of case studies, you start to think, huh, okay, like it, I have a pretty clear picture in my head of like what successful people are doing now. Um, and and you know you can choose whether to copy that, um, or you can choose whether to depart from that and do something better. Um, but like knowing like seeing that map in front of you. Uh, gives you a, a better sense of like where to head, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, I like to end the podcast with an action item. Uh, one okay. thing that that marketers and analysts listening can do immediately after leaving a rating and review for the show, of course. Uh, so what would you tell the listeners is one thing they should do right now to improve their craft? Okay, cool. Um, so uh, and we're talking um, more on the measurement side, do you think, or the creative side, like for your listeners? Yeah, we could take it either way. I think we have a little bit of both listening. So, okay, cool. So, um, let, let's let's say measurement, right? Like I talked a lot about creative. So, I, I would say uh, go and uh, literally just turn off advertising in five U.S. states um, uh, at random, right? Um, and there are more scientific ways to do this, right? 
Um, but but just go and do it and ask for ask for forgiveness afterwards. Um, and and uh, you're going to see uh, a pretty clear picture of whether advertising is working for you. Um, um, and, and there are all sorts of more sophisticated statistical things you can do. Yeah, you, you can do that. You know, either as part of this experiment uh, or afterwards. But I, I think um, most people never actually take action <laughs> uh, to 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 do measurement. Right? Like they try and find the the answer in the existing data they have. And my big belief is that you got to go out and create that data by like pulling dials and <laughs> you know t- turning turning knobs and you know t- switching things on and off. So. Um, so like go out there and start causing chaos and that's going to create a lot of variance and you're going to see in that variance what the real truth is. I love it. And uh, anyone who's listening who takes action on this item and uh, turns off their advertising, if they get angry emails from their boss, you can just blame me. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> hammer uh, underscore MT. Uh, you can, feel free to tweet at me. I'm, I, I'm always happy to engage in a in a in a fiery political discussion. <laughs> so, awesome. uh, so, so feel free. I, I love, I love to argue on Twitter. Perfect. So yeah. Uh, at hammer underscore MT, uh, where else can people find you? Uh, you could, yeah. So my, uh, uh, my, my book is and... marketing mimetics.com. Uh, and then, uh, vexpower.com is the training platform. We kind of learn how to do more of the measurement stuff. Absolutely. And, and I know we didn't really talk a whole lot about vexpower, but I want to let everyone know it's a fantastic resource. I've, I've mentioned it many times in the newsletter. And, you know, I've gone through several of the courses myself and uh, really recommend anyone who's looking to kind of learn, you know, the just-in-time training, on-the-job training. It's a great resource to go to. So definitely visit vexpower.com for that. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and and having a chat with us and sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like, anytime. All right. Until next time. Well, my friend, you've made it to the end of the show, which means you either found it so riveting you couldn't turn it off, or you're out for a jog and you can't easily hit the skip button on your phone. Either way, if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would find it helpful. And please, as a personal favor to me, go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this and leave a rating and review. That helps others find us, but more importantly, shows that you're a thought leader who cares about your craft and wants others to join this tribe. 